dad had an extensive vinyl collection. He must have had four, five hundred records. Uh, and it took up, we lived in a little house in Surrey Estate, in a small little room. It was me and my dad and my mom, and my dad had a, a section uh, under the window in the corner. We had built a rack where all this vinyl was on this rack. That was his little space. Um, and he would play his his records from that corner. It was a tiny room, bro, really small. Um and he would play his vinyl in that space. At some point, he needed to get an upgrade um, uh, hi-fi system. I think it was called a music center back then, music center, which was yeah. a, this, this um, monoblock system that it had the amplifier in with a turntable and a tape deck. Yeah. It was blood punk, I remember. Yeah. It wasn't as it wasn't as ornate as the one that he had before because it had the plastic platter and it wasn't sort of the best uh, version but it was the best that he could buy and he upgraded but it was also probably more modern and yeah. modern design rather yeah. than yeah know. and the tech was yeah. a little bit more more modern and um, my dad he ended up um, not buying another vinyl player after that when, when that one went after we moved to uh, after we moved to, to Mitchell's Plane, I think it, it, it still lasted. It lasted long, maybe ten years. He had it, and then it went, and um, he never had another one after that. So his vinyl, he'd give some of them away to. Uh, Listen to this; it's fine. And it never got back, and in the end, he must have had something like. 70 or 80 pieces when he when he had passed on and I had then rescued a lot of them uh, and and started my own collection because I by that time I bought my own turntable and you know there's the upgrade and there's the you move on to the next to the next and next and I have maybe three or four books on on the topic but I have found a great affinity for old school technology because it is simpler, you know, it, it, it's with vinyl and with mini disc, which it's not that old, but it lost the battle against um, MP3s and CDs and stuff. Um, I don't skip through the song. I'm, I'm I'm putting something on for the listening listening experience. I've I've set my my system up so that my listening experience is 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 I'm creating a sound stage. Uh it, it it's so detailed that I have three different speaker systems set up for what I'm listening to because I can't listen to that genre with that speaker system because it doesn't complement it. That's the thing about old school technology. It's if you're streaming music it's 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 all a certain quality mm-hmm. Um, you're listening to it from from now. You have lossless and you have spatial audio, and um, it's not the same as listening to to, for example, vinyl or MD or you know watching movies in a, in a particular medium. I still have eight millimeter projector and 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 reels and stuff. 
there's a sense of nostalgia that makes me hark back to that. It was a simpler time. It was it was easier, and I find myself threading the reel for the for the projector and putting it on and listening to the sound as the teeth catches onto the uh, uh, onto the it, it bites into the sprocket all the time. That's a comfort for me. It it it, it reminds me of of just a time that was I don't know part of my childhood was great um, but I understand the need for progress yeah. you know I understand the need for doing things differently I still think that things from older days were built better as opposed to now no they were I think they were built to last mm. and they were built to have a quality that was worth the investment mm. whereas modern stuff it's 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 transient everything's quick quick and easy if your tv breaks you don't get it fixed you just buy a new one mm. that that trans uh, technology now is very transient it's it's uh, 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 talking to a friend of mine who who's involved in tech he says that if you've got it in your hand it's obsolete mm. what they're working on is four or five iterations away from what you have in your hand the the one that they're working on now will only go into production in five to ten years time, but anything below that is obs- is is busy being obsolete. Mm. So you know the brand new iPhone, two years time there's a new one. Yeah. Two years time there's a new one. Now this one, they won't upgrade it anymore. So you get beyond a certain point, it can't take the new upgrades. Mm. But the problem with that is that we upgrading any essence out of it mm. we, the, the, the listening to vinyl that 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 the hiss of the needle the the whisper of the of the of the of the belts that that idea that you have another level of music that that creates part of the ambiance part mm. of the the feeling of it i, I grew up uh, with my folks uh, they didn't have a massive record collection but 60s and 70s was all about the music mm. um and my folks had some terrible taste. We, we listened to a fair amount of the Carpenters, which was 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 pretty rough. Um, and, and I must say that it it was it was child abuse on my behalf. And I, I would like to 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 have those years back so I can relive them in a different form. But in the same time, my folks were huge Motown fans. Mm. So I grew up with the Drifters and the Platters and the Commodores and mm. the Diana Rosses and. When I feel the need to calm, to be peaceful, I put on Motown. Mm. And it's almost that, that, as you say, hearkening back to a simpler time. My life was a lot simpler. Mm. Everything about the world was a lot simpler. I knew everything was black and white. There was mm. no colors because we didn't have color TV. <laughs> <laughs> life was black and white. Yeah. Um, and, and it was so much more... Uh, less nuanced than it is now you know now we have so many shades of black and white and all the rainbows and and all everything that goes with it whereas then it was is it hot or is it cold mm. is it dry or is it wet am i hungry or am i not hungry am i tired or am i asleep the, you know there's the, everything had a definitive easy answer yeah and the the the, the motown music it, it is my happy place and uh, my folks' records collection disappeared uh, in, in, in the many moves and, and, and immigrations. Um, I built up my own record collection. The first record 
I ever bought myself. I bought myself a seven single, mm. uh, Christmas of 1975, I think it was. Wow. Um, and it was Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, really? That was my first ever seven single that I bought myself. It was with, with, with pocket money. It was this thing. I think the other side of the... The single has got fat bottom girls on it, if I'm not mistaken. And my, <laughs> my mom was not stoked about that. And but yeah, but Bohemian Rhapsody and 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 that song, it's just, I mean, you know, it's the quintessential '70s song. It's, yeah. It's the rock opera. It's everything that came with it. And then the obviously that led to uh, a night at the opera. Uh, followed by a day at the races, still in Queen, mm. and then. You know, drifting off from that into um, some Motown, some hot chocolates, would you believe? Mm. Um, and and then into the more modern, and then I I, I drifted over into new romantics and post punk, mm. uh, and then into hardcore punk, which is you know kind of when you and I met each other, it was more in the hardcore punk side of life. But those those historic music and I've still got a whole whack of those records but I've got nothing to play it on mm. um, it, it's something that uh, I listen to you speak about the nostalgia of putting the record on and, and, and I, I think that it, it's coming in my future yes. I, I actually hauled out my box of, of records the other day I remember because uh, we, uh, yeah, we spoke we were, about we it actually yes. About it. Um, I, yes I still have the Michael Jackson off the wall album oh, wow. original pressing back from whenever that was um, so, you know, those I've got that. I've got a box of probably a 60 or so records, plus probably a 40 or 50 of very limited edition punk records. That you um, can never get rid of. No, I won't get rid of them. I might maybe donate them to a museum or something like that, but uh, it wouldn't be something I would get rid of. There are some very limited edition crass, Flux of Pink Indian stuff mm. that people go, who? What? Mm. No, nah, never heard of them. But yeah, I've got that stuff. Lots of subhumans. Um, very different, very, very uh, deep lyrical music with lots of intent, uh, almost Bob Dylan-esque storytelling, storytelling mm. but with anger. Not, it's not a happy story. It's mm. an angry story, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's about the revolution, and mm. it's about smashing the system and, and creating the system sucks, let's make a better one. And, and we're still talking about this now 40 years later, yeah. um, and we still haven't smashed it, and it's still as shit as it ever was but they just you know they placate us with with taxes and, yeah. and, and lockdowns and all sorts of shit they just keep we, us we won't turn your lights off this weekend <laughs> yeah. it's fine and yeah, yeah. Like, oh great yeah. no, and we forget that, that yeah. it's supposed to be on all the time yeah, exactly you know, you know they, we so, they, they're, so mag we're so grateful that they haven't switched us off for, for a week correct uh, like it's a favour yeah assholes but yes the, the idea of that nostalgia um I remember driving in my father's Ford Granada 3-litre S. Was um, it a gear? Or was it yeah, the common gear. Oh, yeah, gear. And it had, a, it had an 8-track in it. Ooh. And we didn't have too much music. Uh, it was difficult music, but there was definitely a Motown. Uh, we did a couple of uh, Joburg to Durban trips, mm. family trips up into uh, Limpopo and um, Pumalanga, Back when it was the Northern Transvaal and the Eastern Transvaal, we did we because we came from the UK. We didn't just stay in the city. We mm. missioned. We did this entire country, mm. corner to corner, up and down, left, right, and centre. Except we never did the Northern Cape. But I've subsequently done that with you guys and and by myself. Mm. Um, so I've seen 
all of the 25,000 provinces and most <laughs> of the big cities. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to doing it again once I, I manage to get back on a, on a bike that can do dirt roads instead of tar roads. Like but that 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 sound of the eight track, the sound of the of, of I think it was a V6. Mm. Um, I think the sound of of a vinyl, the sounds of those older cars, mm. it just creates comfort. But that's you, you're right there. I mean, it's my wife drives a very new car. Um, all the bells and whistles, and you know, it, if you're a meter away from an obstruction, it's going to beep, and it frustrates the fuck out of me because I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see what's a meter away from me. You I, know, I, why are you why why are you carrying on? You know. So when I get into my car, my car is an older car. It doesn't. It's an analog car. Yes, <laughs> and I'm you know I'm feathering the the the. The accelerator, it's wop, 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 and I'm coming out, and it's, you know, as long as I can see where I'm going, I don't need to be. But this this car makes me fucking nervous all the time because it's like beep 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 beep, beep all the all the damn time, and I don't feel like I'm driving it. No, it's, be, it's you're being driven in it. You know, I I I I am spared the sympathetic response that the vehicle goes through. So my 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 sympathetic response, I don't get it because. I'm not allowed to feel what the road feels like because the car will tell me where there's a damn pothole or what to avoid because it has forward-looking infrared and how far the car in front of me. I can see all of this. I, yeah. you know, I know, I know when to brake. Um, uh, I would like to think that I'm a pretty decent driver. I don't have an accident every year, and I have zero tickets. You know, that's just so. I, I, I still want the. That's why I, I still ride an old bike because I want to feel the experience yeah carburetor bike versus a fuel injection bike it's a, it's a million years better you know I mean it's, I can feel the vibrations and there's there's some way in that in that harmonic signature where the the power and the vibration produced by the engine and the sound produced by the engine is in complete sync with the rest of the bike and with me and it's not at 120 or 130 kilometers it could be at 80 or 90 kilometers yeah. depending on the day and it just the bike just behaves beautifully and it and it does its thing but and i think that it, i understand exactly what you mean with that it's it's the soundtrack of your happiness yes because when you're riding at that speed at that time that vibration that's in, you're in your happy place mm. so it's the soundtrack the the undercurrent, the same as listening to vinyl with the hissing and the and the and the bubble and the scratching needle. That's the undercurrent of the happiness. So yes. that's another tier of what you've experienced. Okay, I'm happy here. What makes me happier? Well, there's these levels, these sounds, this experience is where my happiness is. So that's why we feel happy. Yeah. That's why we feel nostalgic because we were happy when we were younger, without with less life stresses. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, I I think we we definitely we need to realize that new isn't better. Not always. You know, it, it's not. Fuck, dude! I remember uh, walking down to the town center. We we never had our own VCR. Um, for for those listening, we don't know. It's a video cassette recorder, or as we call it here, a video machine. And we'd walk down to the town center, which is maybe 
I don't think it was a kilometer from my house. Maybe it was. And you'd get the the standard package, which was three movies and a machine. And they, and they put it in this um, striped bag. I mean, I, I think a lot of the ladies who sell used clothes at the station, they have this blue and red and white striped yeah, yeah. woven bag. And they put it in there with the movies and... Our favorite part of it was like you you pick three, and then my dad would go through the the money that he has. And my dad my dad will say to the guy, "How much is one more?" And the guy says, "Well, you got three. I'll give you another one for like seven bucks or whatever." So yeah, okay, yeah, I've got seven. And you're like, okay. my dad says, "Okay, but now you've given me four. If I take five, <laughs> how much will it be?" You end up leaving there with like. Six movies, and the guy says, okay, bring it back on Sunday morning, because you obviously can't watch. I think we used to get them on Friday, and we would have to bring them back the latest Monday, if I remember correctly. So you hired it, if you got more than two or three, you would get it for the weekend, Mm. not just for the night. I think one movie could be overnight, but I think when you did like the the package, the the weekend family package, you kind of got it for the weekend. You used to have contracts, where you get like, you, you, you'd you buy it for like, I don't know... You'd like, buy a hundred credits. Yeah. And, and then, then you could go and rent movies. Whenever you want to, yeah. you just you, you just go... Pull in it. Yeah, your mom, mom and dad basically would, would put a credit down for you. And school you could holidays. Go down, yeah, go down in the school holidays and pick up a movie and take it back the next day. And if you kept it for two days, obviously they charged you for two days, yeah. two credits. But yeah, I mean, I watched so many of those movies. That was... Shit, man, I've still got some of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take them back. But yeah, stuff like... Pink Floyd, The Wall, mm. you know, it was, I mean, it was banned here. Mm. Somehow I managed to, to get a copy out of a back of a, of a, uh, I'm going to say it was a Blockbusters, it probably wasn't a Blockbusters, but something like that, mm. Video Magic or something like that. Yeah, Mr. Video yeah, or something, yeah. something like that. And, and basically it's like, well, you, you, you've got this movie. I don't, it's banned. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I watched that movie probably from when I was 16 until I was about 22, Probably every day. But that was a theme song. Um, uh, we don't need no education. Yeah. I, I remember it so well. I mean, it was one of the songs that we used to sing at rallies. Um, and and if you ask one of the, do you know who sings the song? They're like, no, I don't know. Hmm. But everybody sang it. Yeah. And like it was, it's Pink Floyd. My dad had the had the, the album. album. Yeah, I had the albums as well. See, so you say to my, you say to them. It's Pink Floyd. Who's that? No, this is a struggle song. No, it's not. It's hmm. a Pink Floyd song. So it's from a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's from a record. It's yes. from a movie. So, and uh, and for me, uh, the, j- sorry, the, uh, just for me, Pink Floyd was about the visuals. Mm. I The visuals of that movie, that was so uh, inspiring as a creation. Uh, you know, that the, 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 the Pink Floyd movie... And then into the Terry Gillingham movies, the inspiration that in my headspace that mm. came from that, um, there was so much experience in what they were showing you, how they were showing it, how it was portrayed, the way shit was drawn, the way the 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 real life stuff interposed, intersected actually with the movie, the illustrated, and it was such a weird thing, mm. like. Um, when when Pink loses his shit and he tears his room apart and he puts it to, back together into a maze, 
I know that. Mm. I know that feeling. I know that experience. I've, I've been there. Mm. And I understand what he was doing. Mm. In the madness of what was happening, he put it back into order. The order was still fucked up, but mm. it wasn't quite the order of normality. But, but it was an order he understood. But, uh, but that's the point. It's like, what is order? I mean, it's that for me is completely objective. That's not a subjective. Uh, it's a fallacy that that society knows what order is. Mm. Is order to be uh, to obey and to to do what is expected of you, or is order to be happy and human in a way that serves you well, as opposed to everyone else. You know, we, we're constantly saying, just don't be a dick, be a nice guy. Mm. That's that's all that's that's yeah. needed. But to your point, I think the Pink Floyd movie and the visuals were so visceral at that time was because creativity was more important yeah. and there was less technology. You had to be creative to get your message across. People rely on, on, on tech these days. Yeah. Uh, I heard a, somebody say, what if, I think it was Coldplay, and I don't know who else made a song. Um, um, I just had this, I just asked AI to do the song. And all the younger people were like, "That's so brilliant! That's great! And it's a it's a banger! And where can I where can I listen to the song? Blah blah blah." And 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 everybody else who was older was like, "Well, that's it. That's the death of hmm. that's that's the death of music. It's yeah. the death of creativity. Yeah. That's not because this doesn't make it better. No. What makes Tupac and his music valuable, important?" Is that he's not here anymore? Yeah, and and what he has created is his entire legacy. It's his creation. Yes, yeah. and we can critique it because there, I think he's probably one of the most oxymoronic stars of our generation, um, saying positive things but being completely self-destructive at the same yeah. time. You know, uh, and that was his public persona. I don't know what it was like. Um, yeah. It, you know, personally. But he he's important to this generation because of what he meant in that time period and the and the material left behind. I don't want to see a hologram of Tupac at, at some stadium and pay a thousand five hundred Rand for it. Yeah. Just to see some hologram on stage perform to say, to say you've seen you haven't seen him. You've seen a fake cheap bullshit version. Computer generated so version. Like give it give it give it ten, twenty years you'd be able to do that in your room. Yeah. You won't have to pay somebody a thousand something to go and, go and see but, it. but the thing with this again it, it that the, the the creativity, the ability to we have all seen dinosaurs walk around on the earth. Mm. We've seen it. We mm. watched Jurassic Park. Mm. You've seen that that's as real as it's going to get. Mm. And the the if you go to to Jurassic World and you go and see the animatronics that are wandering around, there would be no difference to mm. what it actually looked like in the real Jurassic era if you had possibility to be there. Mm. So we are getting to experience something that's impossible for us to experience. Mm. We still have a visceral reaction because we know that these things could fucking eat you. Yeah. Um, but that's a historic knowledge, or, or a, uh, what would you call it, a core, core knowledge mm. from your from your from your many many ancestors, um, which 
I'll explain. It basically I was on a a, a hike in in the bush, uh, Feinbos hike at um, uh, Gondwana. Mm. Uh, it's called the Gondwana Pioneer Trail, and we did a hike. You you get dropped off, you have some food, and then you walk across to the first campsite. It was a couple of k's away. Mm. Five star camping, glamping. It was amazing, and then the next day you walk. Uh, you walk across through, through the hills through the fine boss and you've got these two um alpha males with their rifles uh, professional hunters and they they guided us through it was a it was an open roaming ca- uh, camp so we had there was potentially for all big five were around us um and we walked and we spoke and we looked at animal dung and we looked at kudus in the distance and we looked at chemsok very up close and we saw zebras very close uh hippos close mm. Buffalo close, elephants like you can smell their breath. That's how close they were. Oh wow! And the one night, um, we all went to bed, uh, and, and and you started to hear this roaring, mm. and we were intense in an encampment. Mm. Where I think there's four couples plus the guides plus the sh- cook and the camp help. Um, so there was six tents, mm. I guess. Um, and they tense, and this lion was sounded like he was right outside, the mm. tent, like right outside the door. And it's a low sort of. It, it's, it's just this. <laughs> you know, it, it's just you know, again. It was such a scary experience because you've heard it, you've mm. seen it on TV, you hear it. It's it's synthetic, mm. but this is real. This is, and speaking to the people around us the next morning, we all felt abject fear. Mm. For what? What were we scared of? It's going to come tear the tent apart? No, that's bullshit. They don't do that. It's a ghost in the darkness or something. Exactly, <laughs> which is bullshit as well. Basically, the the thing is that we understand as humans that we are not the top of the food chain. Because our ancestors, if they heard that sound, they ran the fuck away. Mm. So we knew, people that knew to stay away from it, survived and lived on. The people that didn't get away from that sound, they died. So yeah. that, was ne- that knowledge never got beyond that. So those of us that ran away from it, it became group knowledge. Yeah. And a historic, so the reaction we all had was a visceral human reaction to something that we've never experienced before yeah but our ancestors have yeah so we are still experiencing something in that fear zone which is why when you see a dinosaur you still have that fear reaction even though you know it's fake mm. um you know the, the the scariest thing now is that our kids that's what dinosaurs look like mm. when i was their age when i was six seven eight years old i only ever saw bones yeah and, and, and drawings. They weren't moving drawings. Yeah. They were, they were in, very in, bad. In flat reader's Digest. Yeah. <laughs> very flat. Uh, sorry. Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, yeah. You know, we only yeah, had... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, only, dated, we, we only had A to G. So yeah. anything beyond G, I don't know anything about the rest <laughs> of the world. But up to G. And dinosaurs were D. So that was all good. Yeah. Um, so we only had a very flat 2D experience of these dinosaurs. You didn't understand how they moved, how mm. they sounded, whereas now these kids have a full 3D 
scratch and sniff kind of experience of yeah. these animals that we've never had, mm. although they still would have that visceral reaction. I think that it's just, uh, I feel that the more I use my imagination, the better I am. I feel like my knife is being sharpened. Mm. Not engaging, and I'm not saying technology is a bad thing, or that, that new tech is a bad thing. Um, I think that new tech loses its value very quickly. And you don't have enough time to build a relationship with the with the technology that brings you to that um, that nostalgia. Mm. Am I going to have nostalgia for for MP3s uh, in ten years time? Probably not, because my connection with the song is broken. Because I don't I don't know what the name of the track is now. It's playing. Yeah. It's just more of the same. You know? Yeah, you're just getting fed more of the same by the algorithms. And, and and I don't like that the algorithm is telling me what it thinks I, I should I should be listening mm. to. But it, but but it, it's doing it in a way where it says you like this so we think that you should be listening to this. Or yeah. we think you would like this. Yeah. Give this a try. It's very diplomatic in the way that mm. it does it, of course. Mm. Um I like to choose what I listen to. Hmm. I like to make the decision. Um, I I listen to there's a young woman called Yeba Smith that I'm listening to now. I found her myself. There's a young man who's a new um, signee to Death Row Records. His name is October London. He sounds exactly like Marvin Gaye. I found him myself. You know, there's a band that my dad used to listen to back in the day called Focus. They're from Holland. I think they only had one album. Um, they were experimental rock. I, I bought a, I bought a vinyl of that. Yeah. You know, th- these are all things that I that I have control over. I'm not gonna flip a button that that, that skips it to the next yeah. track or. Well, I think that's the thing with the record is you. It's so difficult to do that because mm. you scratch it. You got to lift the needle, move it across, drop it again. Um, and, and that's the thing is I think that. It, uh, an album, especially coming back to Queen, especially, it was written in a certain way. Mm. This song leads to this song, leads to this song. So you start at A side, yeah. song one. You play to the end, flip the record over, play the other side to the end. That's your experience. Yeah. You, you couldn't do you couldn't do it any other way no. because then the story would be out. Yeah. But again, it's 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 sort of this weird. We are so like we'll listen to. The first minute of a song, yeah, that's cool. Next song, finish the song. Mm. Maybe the first minute's good. The second two minutes are really shit, mm. or maybe the second two minutes are quintessentially better. Mm. But you'll never know because you only listen to the first. So you, you're judging something based on the start or the introduction, but you now have not listened to the full experience. Mm. It's like going to see the the Mona Lisa, and they put a door in front of the Mona Lisa, and there's a keyhole. Mm. Now you have to look through the keyhole to see what the Mona Lisa looks like. How would you experience what that painting is mm. if you only ever look through the keyhole, which is what you're doing with your with your your edited music? Yeah, that's the that's the problem that I find with um, uh, with these various platforms is that there's so much on there. You almost go through a, uh, if you if you were a music lover and uh, you know people say that I'm an audiophile. I'm not an audiophile. I'm I just I like music in a, in a particular sound. It doesn't mean that all your files would like what I like. But I get s- such anxiety when I'm when I'm 
look at all this music that that's out there. I, I'm, I'm never going to listen to all of it, you know. So to to be able to curate what I listen to myself, to be able to curate what I watch myself, to determine what what would be interesting for me to see, that's more important. And and the only way I can do that really is through older technology. Yeah. You know, through through um, ways that still create ceremony for me. Yeah, slowing slowing the world down and, and experiencing the ceremony of it. Exactly. Cleaning of the record with the cloth and turning it over and laying it down and checking your needle and leaving it to dry and getting the microfiber and like uh, these tricks and stuff that you learnt like I mean putting wood glue all over it and letting it dry so that you can get all the muck from inside the grooves and there's so many it's like the hot shade that we spoke about in previous podcasts Um, you you learn the skill when you're busy with 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 vinyl and 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 um, just recording to mini disc, there's there's this process that you're going through. There's an appreciation for the time that went in for that creation. There's a there's an appreciation for um, how you clean your vinyl. I on a Saturday afternoon, I think maybe a few weeks back. Um, uh, Sudi actually took a couple of photographs of me for for Instagram while I was busy cleaning my vinyl and and listening to the, to new purchases that I had and and going into a store and knowing for a fact and the guy says this one isn't that great it'll play play through but it's probably not the best and I mean it's it's damaged and I look at it and I see there's no scratches on it and I could probably I'll I'll be able to resurrect this and and bring it back to life again and when you've done it and it's all done you spend two or three hours and, 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 and you've you've cleaned three or four and you know you, I'm gonna play it all the way through. I'm busy cooking. You know, I'm 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 doing something that I'm gonna call everybody, I'm gonna have supper, but I would have had the best mm-hmm. Saturday because I, I went through that whole process yeah. that um I I created a memory. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack to that was um Who's going to take the weight by Gangstar or um, Valders in the Country by Donny Hathaway or what, whatever? And 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 it's vast. It varies from one end of the spectrum to the other end, like you won't believe. So I am I'm, I'm grateful for for that old tech because um, there's so many memories attached to it. Just like recording music on a on a cassette. Um, we used to sit at the radio and they'd start talking before the song is finished just shut up <laughs> don't talk shut you know Pause, rewind okay okay next song and coming. there was no way to edit because you're going to you'll screw it up you'll no, just you like edit. you can't edit you know you so can't so you'd have yeah. before the song is done it's like the, the DJ does the last fucking he's talking on that last yeah. section you're like oh, god why would you have to talk yeah, yeah. but you'd sit there with your finger ready for the pause button, pause button. waiting. Yeah, yeah. Kids don't have that fucking patience today. And then be able to wind it back half a second. Yes. Just to go. You remember how you used to play piano? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you used to do the, the, the sort of piano fingers on the on the on the the, the, the forward and the stop and the play. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, yeah. you know. I mean, but it, it it I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah. It was it was definitely a a way for us to learn like the entry level technology mm. you know the very basic idea of 
piracy, I guess mm-hmm. you would call it. You know, the music that we wanted was only on, for me at least, was only on the radio one night a week mm-hmm. from like 9 o'clock until yeah. 11 o'clock. There was my time. I had this window. Dude would play 12, 15 songs and mm-hmm. it'd be like probably eight or nine of them would be like, oh man, that's rad for me. Yeah. You know, recording stuff that then, and, and then, but then listening and writing notes. Okay, yes. That is so-and-so by so-and-so. Cool, I'm going to go find that yes. and go hunt the record shops, go to Hillbrow Records, go to um, the, other, the other record shops around and mission to find, okay, this one. Do you have this? No, we don't have that. It'll be an import. Um, but we're getting imports in next week. We uh, get what we get. Where did you go to Ragtime Records? Uh, mostly Hilbert Records. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, uh, my friend Brett used was to... Was it bizarre, bizarre music? Uh, there was a couple, yeah. A Yeovil, there was a couple in Yeovil as well, which was more of the second-hand stuff, but yeah. also... A I got some stuff fringe, that I bought from there from Bizarre. Uh, a, lot, a lot more fringe stuff, which was, you know, uh, I had lots of friends who were into the 70s, um, 70s, American rock, you know, like Yes and mm. and and Yellow and stuff. Was it more like glam it. stuff or not glam? I, the, the, some guys were into that, but for me, it was it was more of the um, the acid rock. Okay, guys were right. into that stuff. Uh, listening to like ten years after all the guys that played at at Woodstock, mm. and then going off for tangents with following there the, this band disbanded and became this this and this mm. so those three bands were origins from this band and you know where does this one come from but, from but now you're talking here? about something that uh, from the hip hop scene what we used to do was you'd say okay so probably one of the most sampled jazz guys in the hip hop community is a guy by the name of Bob James and Bob James um, is also a quintessential member of um now I forget the band's name but they do they do a track called the secret garden um but he's he, he, he you can't mistake his his music i've got a few bob bob james um uh, records but you 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 go and listen you'd listen to one of his tracks and you're like the drums and that is rather nice I like the drums, not particularly the, the the percussion and rhythm section, but the way that it was put together. And you know for a fact that the guy who does the drums, you might get his direction from the from the from the arranger, but he knows how he wants to put the drums into that sequence. So I'll go and listen for try and find a record with the next guy where he's got drums on, and then at the end of the day, you find yourself with. 10 or 12 records where the same guy plays the drums on it or his drums mm. are sampled. Yeah. And they're all great records. And you think to yourself, is that the reason why that those records are great because he plays the drums on there? Or is it because you've now just discovered other stuff that he happened to be part of that is also great? Yeah. You know, and, and, you're, and you're expanding. and You can take any other instrument but that was the original digging in the crates today mm. people think digging in the crates was like finding old records yeah. no it's not it was very specific to finding a guy you've that got plays a, you've, the got a, you've got a list of people or elements of bands mm. who have in other bands 
and those elements generally mean it's going to be a good band. Mm. The session musicians that are never on the front of the album, they're mm. always on the back. Yes. You know, extra guitar, extra drums, or whatever it was, but they were actually the driving force of that band. Yes. But somebody else wrote the music, and they just played and filled it in. Um, and, and, I mean, there was loads of those kind of finds that we went through, and we would sit down and have listening parties and just listen to the stuff and get stoned and, and, and understand what it was which we were listening to. Mm. And the drummer in this one, or the guy that played keyboards, was the guy that played keyboards in this one, and it, his girlfriend was so-and-so who was dating this guy and went into that band, so then you can hear the influence in that band. So you're like four or five bands down down the line, and you still got Kevin Bacon in the mix because yes. there's seven, seven degrees of separation. Yes. It's all here. And, and the, the musos were so... Uh, interlinked in mm. all aspects it's like you know so many people wrote songs for other people yeah it's like but that's this i, I recognize the writing and but this is not so and then you look written by arranged by remember people used to arrange music yes. and, and that sort of doesn't happen oh, i guess it does well it's now now a song is put together yeah, i produced. mean before you'd have like um the guys from Toto writing um, uh, Give Me the Night for uh, George Benson. Very different yeah. types of music. Mm. You know, um, but you were you had to be able to do various different styles. You know, I think people say the death of music is AI. It's not. It's auto-tune. Mm. No, auto-tune is death. A long time ago, I can blame Simon Cowell for that. You know, it, it, it's, it's Simon Cowell put out the auto-tune Pretty Boys, and that's the death of it. Uh, uh, Simon Simon Cowell and Simon Fuller. Yeah. Um, um, we blame but, the Simons. Yeah. So 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 that was. I mean, I think that was the problem because back then uh, the 80s was it was epitomized by the synth. Yeah. You know, um, uh, the 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 60s and the 70s. Well, the 70s uh, uh, was the electric guitar and the hammered organ. And the hammered organ, yeah. yes. Um, uh, the 60s had beautiful harmonies. You were still relying on the voice. Yeah. You know, and and in the 70s it all came together. Um, mid 80s to late 80s, you had electronic music that was starting to yeah. to filter in, and then by the 90s it was it was it was a complete uh, a completion of that of yeah. that metamorphosis, but you still had the boom bap rap era, where, where is I can't identify with the stuff that's coming out now. Yeah. I, I I don't know, and it's not just rap music. Um, it it goes across all genres, um, even into film. Yeah. Where I'm like, what, what am I watching? And everything is very political now. There's an agenda yeah. to everything. You know, there's everybody's a, got a everything's got a moral. Yeah, it's got a moral or a lesson. Where's the entertainment in morals and lessons? Well, I watched I watched Extraction Two the other night. It was hella entertainment. Um, I think it was a little bit better than John Wick. <laughs> um, I haven't seen either of them yet. It's it's well, I think it's I, I liked it because I, I, I'm watching the the Godfather of Harlem in the the, the current season. Mm. Um, that's I'm working my way through that. What what, what what am I watching? What I haven't started is the last season of Jack Ryan. Um, yeah, I saw that pop up yesterday, so that's on the back burner for me next, I think. Yeah, there's a new Reacher coming out also, mm. which I'm also waiting for. But that's again, we, we're talking about nostalgic kind of thing. I mean, the the, the Godfather of New York, mm. that whole thing with the barbershops and mm. the way the men dressed, you know, the, the 
you get dressed up to do your job. Yep. You you dress your part. You don't dress down. And and it's something that I've been thinking about for a while now is that I've spent my last 40 years uh, dressing like a skate punk. Mm. I'm 58 years old, turning 59 this year. I really think maybe I need to stop <laughs> dressing like a fucking skate punk. <laughs> you, you think so? <laughs> I used to maybe. Like, I, I, used to, I used to be with somebody that used to wear hoodies and sneakers and jeans and... I said, you look like a 12-year-old boy. You need to <laughs> you need to change it up. You look like a 12-year-old boy. Um, you know, I'm sitting here in a, in a hoodie, jeans, sneakers. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, you. But my thing has always been, if, I, if I'm if I'm going to, if I'm going to be listening to vinyl, I'm going to be doing things and I'm going to take my time, then then I should dress well. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's part of the ceremony. I, I, I make it a thing not to leave the house um uh, looking shabby you know I'm not the do- you won't find me walking around in sort of stained tracksuit pants and, and slippers outside not outside the house yeah. it's not appropriate no, yeah. you know I mean it, it's even in the house you buy good clothes so that you wear that clothes but it was very difficult to do that because when I was growing up you had home clothes and going out clothes yeah you know, it, they were different qualities, but that's all about being able to afford stuff. Yeah. You know, now we found places where you can buy good quality clothes at, at a cheaper price. You don't have to buy cheap junk that you wear around yeah. the house. You know, you can you you can look good, but again, bringing it back that that ceremony that you have to that you have to perform the the old tech that we are part of, or, or that I still like to enjoy allows me to perform that ceremony. I'm never ever going back to Cathedral Nipple TV though. You're not I'm not I'm not <laughs> doing Q T V. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, it it you don't realise how crappy it was until you you're watching Ultra Four K. Then you're like, Oh crap, that was really Yeah yeah. You know, I, it was like watching something it's like it was like taking a Ultra Four K and rubbing Vaseline all over the screen. That's that's what yeah. Tube TV was all about, um, but then again, there are some nostalgic moments. It's mm-hmm. like using a using a coax cable, and you're plugging it into your VCR and into the TV, and then you're tuning the TV to get the signal from the VCR, yeah. and you're watching it like that, and, and 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 the lines, and I always think about those old '80s studios like um, Orion and Carolco mm-hmm. and they used to play before the movie came on. And if it was a particular movie, you're like, ooh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> the, these guys made it. You know you know, you know what they sell, so you, you, you knew it was going to be good. You, you knew it was going to be good. So, yeah, I mean, that's why we still do... We haven't done one lately because it's been so damn cold, but like old school movie nights, it's like mm. Sergio Leone and, you know, because it was great to watch. And if you watch it with other people who who sort of remember that time and remember that guy could get on the horse and ride away and he doesn't have to get into the gunfight. But he still has to live with himself. Yeah, yeah. So he's not going to turn around. He can do nothing other than go to the gunfight. you got to admire that shit. Yeah. You know? You, and, and, and it's something that you can aspire to it talks about your word it talks about your sense of duty um and things from the old days remind me of that 
because yeah. people took their time to make it.